Fox Sports is the home of Australian rugby, and this is the official Fox Rugby Podcast with your host, Nick McArdle. Yes, thanks for joining us on the Fox Rugby Podcast. Once again, it is semi-finals time in Super Rugby, and we're certainly looking forward to two crackers this weekend. And uh, joining me this week on the Fox Rugby Podcast, Christy Doran, Sam Worthington, both from foxsports.com.au, and uh, Stephen Hoyles, welcome to you. Thanks, Nick. Thank, good, thanks good for having me. Here. Lovely to be here, yeah, and so lovely to be sitting next to my good friend, Christy. Yes. It's been a while. You two get yeah. along so well. Good to see you too, Stephen. Um, yeah. So, obviously, Hoyles, you, you've had a taste of this. You know what it's like this time of the what, season. Podcasts or... No, no. Uh, semi-finals oh, football. yep. Mine on yep. the job, Stephen. Yep. And, uh, yeah, so to get there, though, did you think that the, the Tars were gone after 40 minutes against the Highlanders? Be honest. No, no, absolutely. Yeah, I, I really did. I was, I was actually fearing that it was going to be a blowout and it was everything that rugby didn't need at this time in, in the game. I thought they'd done so well to get to get there and they slipped up against the Brumbies and I thought they were going to get... Yeah, it was it was that flattening that when you're commentating, you know, mm. there's a bit of energy involved and you, you almost get a little bit of adrenaline. I put a jacket on. I was getting cold commentating. It felt so flat. <laughs> I thought they're gone for all money. I don't think I've ever seen such a big... T- uh, such a turnaround from what looked like was going to be a 30, 40-point drub into... It was like the team possessed for the last 30 minutes. It was yep. remarkable. Do you think that it would have played out in any way like that if it wasn't for the yellow card? Like, how how big do you think the actual card was in that end result? No, I don't think the obviously Highlanders fans will be saying we we lost the game because the yellow card, which needed to be a yellow card, it was too high shot. So there's no question that it was a yellow card. I I think they were just on such a they just it was they were possessed. They had a complete different approach as soon as that lot intercept was taken from Tung Kelly. That was what led to, I think, Sakopi's run to the... Yeah. They were going to score points no matter what because you could just see they just the game completely changed. When Phipps dived on that loose ball, when Kirtley scored that try, you're at right. Tars are here now. It was amazing, the, the crowd. You were there as well, Nick. Yeah. But uh, I think, uh, yeah, as Stephen said, at half-time, I don't think there's a person in the world except for the 23 Waratahs players and Daryl Gibson that thought that they were going to be getting back into it. And it was... You were sitting there in the, in the in the press box and bewildered with what was happening. Like Georgina Robinson from Fairfax was going to planning a, her week off. Don't she, don't she, stop she, it, she, Georgie. Jeez. We all had our, our match reports kind of started writing them, going for the third straight year in a row. There's not going to be an Australian team in the Super Rugby Finals. No, I, thought, it was, I thought they were always going to win. It, it was staggering. You, the, yeah. the turnaround. I, I knew you had that look in your eye yeah, pre-game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no. What what I thought at halftime was the things that they were getting outpointed. I, I wondered whether they were the things that they were going to be able to fix up though like, like you know getting getting bashed at the breakdown yeah. uh, they were so inaccurate at the breakdown and you know you would know is that or isn't that a difficult thing to, to fix up because they certainly did that that was an area that they fixed up in the second half if, you know, we always talk like, and we were saying throughout the game that, or the call that there just needs to be a, a match turning moment here and it can be a big shot it can be a turnover it ended up being Nick Phipps diving on a loose ball that Aaron yeah. Smith and Sopawanga probably had a better chance at getting on, and he was more desperate. So I think that that almost turned them into saying, right, we we just got to start smashing blokes now. And defensive, defensively, they just were a different side. That As much as everyone looks at they they turned the score, what, 21 points, was it? In, yeah, 21 points. In a uh, short period of time. Well, it, was, it was their defence yeah. and their their ability to win the tackle zone, whatever you want to call it, collision, tackle, clean out, everything, everything just, ter- just changed. And I think all of your confidence in... Rugby generally comes from your defence. Even when you're scoring points, if you're not putting big shots on, you're still not flying through with the adrenaline. And 
And for whatever reason, the first 50 minutes, they couldn't get it right. They were going backwards in the tackle. They weren't. They were getting cleaned off the ball. They were missing clean-outs on attack. So they were just out enthused in the first 50 minutes. And for, for whatever reason, their defence turned the corner and then their attack started to flow. Well, they, and they started to get over the, the gain line. Like, what, what comes first? Is it, is it quick, is it quick uh, ruck speed or is it getting over the momentum that allows the quick ruck speed? No, you can, you can get quick ruck speed without getting over the gain line. And I think they're... That was probably something Michael Checker talked a lot about with the Waratahs in his time. Like, you can actually... You don't need to get over the gain line because the gain line's a very hard thing in rugby because essentially you're getting the ball five metres back from where the defence are. So getting over the gain line is sometimes very unrealistic, but when the defence come out and meet you halfway, you can still push them back a metre. So you win that yeah. confrontation yeah. and then you get quick recycle. So I think the, the Waratahs... They got quick recycle and their, their stars lit up and that's what you need in games like this. Like, so, Kirtley Bill showed exactly why... He's he's the most threatening player in Super Rugby. I reckon he's up there with Bowden Barrett, all those guys. I don't think anyone can turn a game as well as Kirtley Beal can. And take the rest of the team with him. Yep. It was incredible. It's infectious what, what he does. Yeah. Yep. So uh, you, you mentioned about the fact that I may be out enthused in the first half, and Bernard Foley the week before in his post-match interview had used that word, being out enthused. So let's say there's three halves of football there that have been out enthused. How should... Tars fans be feeling about what's going to happen on on Saturday night. Can you have confidence that they are going to come out at their best, or is this sort of little danger there that they're not going to be switched on? It's it's hard to know what yeah. you're going to get. I don't actually think, and I'll probably use it myself, but I don't know if out enthusiast technically the right word. I think they were technically outmaneuvered. So there was technical deficiencies in their attack, which makes people think, oh, they're not up to it. But they're just, for whatever reason, they're just not, their line speed isn't fast enough or they're not getting enough people over the ball to slow it down. So I I think we can say out enthused, because I, I can't see how a team in this day and age could run out at a home semi-final mm. and be out enthused te- using that word. I I think the Tars just need to get it right physically. They need to not worry about a few things and almost, it's a bit like the Brumbies the week before. When they had nothing to play for, they played their best game of the year. Mm. When the Tars had nothing to play for, they played their best 30 minutes of the year. So that's showing something that there's a whole mental issue here that this, the old phrase that was used a couple of years back from Michael Chegg and let the club go. When they just play football and don't worry too much about all the peripherals, then Australian rugby teams look as dangerous as any, as any it, team yeah, in the it, world. Is it, is it almost they're trying too hard? Potentially, yeah. There's too much going on. Maybe there's too much going on in their head and there's too much thought that they've got to get this right and they've got to get that right. And, and it did coincide with some players, and it always does happen when you, some players get to sit on the bench and they probably get the shit sitting on the bench going, why is this happening? So Latu, Staniforth, mm. these guys came on. Tom Staniforth was yeah. unbelievable when he came on. Ex- yeah, a yeah. lot of these guys were. So the, the Paddy Ryan had great carries. All the forwards that came on almost just took all the technic- technical stuff out of the carries and they didn't look to tip, but they just ran hard and tackled hard and that brought the rest of them with them along with the Stars. So moving ahead to the semi-final now in Johannesburg against the Lions and there is so Are much... you going over, Nick? No. Oh, are, you... are you going I over, am, Nick. Are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that'll be a good trip then now and you're staying here. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Um, did I say business class? I didn't, did I? No, so I'm going over know. business class. No, you think you are. No, no, I I've am. Made some no, calls. I've got some people at Qantas. Don't worry about <laughs> really? that. Yep. Um, so... There are so That's, many. I'll things tell you that, this, Nick. If I get there, and I'm not. I'm not going. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there are so many things to think about, uh, and and they'll be asked all week about, oh, you know, jet lag and playing at altitude, and you know, the lions this and the lions that, and how many 
how many finals they've won overseas, which mm. is none out of five over the stretch for, for the Waratahs. They'll get asked all those questions. They just need to put all of that aside and just, just play. Is that what you're saying? Like, don't, yep. don't give a stuff about any of that and just have a crack. Absolutely. And I, I like that message you saw from Simon Cron. Like, Joburg isn't actually a hard place to get to compared to mm. it's one flight. It's, it's, it's harder for the Brumbies to get to places like that. There's two, it's simple that. enough that even you'll be able to get there. I think so, yeah. You, As I said, you won't get lost. business class, apparently. Yeah, business class, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's, it's – yeah, you've just got to put all that stuff out of your mind. You've got one game to do it. You take a lot out of what the Brumbies have done the last couple of years. They've managed to do it. So while it is a challenging place to play because you're at altitude, all that sort of stuff, they've got a lot of players that have been – that have played a lot of big games over there, Test Rugby, Super Rugby. So um, they get – they fly business class. They've got one flight. They sleep. They get there. They've been there Sunday, since Sunday afternoon too, which is South African time, which is a really a really good week. They just, they've been there before. I think I don't think they'll use that as an excuse. Horsey, yeah, go on. Horsey, the, uh, the pack, that 2014 pack, uh, big boppers that pushed everyone around this year, very different, isn't it? The Tars, they're relying on mobility, which yep. was, was your strength. But how, how impressed have you been with, I guess, how they've worked around the, their shortcomings in terms of size and then also um, the unheralded guys like Michael Wells and, and Will Miller coming through now. How, how impressed have you been with those guys? Yeah, well, firstly, on the size factor, like <laughs> the fact that they are a smaller, more mobile team will help them massively in Joburg too, so... If you were to take the the big fellas of the fourteen side, that would probably be a, you know, you'd probably have to think harder about your bench and when you get them on. But these guys like Wells, hopefully he plays. We don't know yet. Will Miller, Holloway, like he's a back row playing second row, so they're a very very mobile pack. I think that the Tars, it's it wasn't until last week when you guys were talking about your chat with Daryl Gibson on the podcast that you realised just how good a job that club has done mm-hmm. to stay at the top. You know they've had some down years and the Brumbies made the finals the last couple of years, but they've essentially the way the comp is now with the salary cap and they've got so many big players in that team, they've had to find basically some some rookies on probably minimum contract to get them in and get them up to speed. And they've done it really well because they haven't gone for 20-year-olds or kids straight out of school like a lot of the other clubs have done. They've gone through the club system and found mature age players like Wells, Wells Miller. Miller, Cam Clark's come in from sevens. You know, they haven't actually got too many 18, 19, 20-year-olds that they have to pick in their squad because of how they've balanced the numbers. Not, and they've, they're playing a game around that team, so they're not saying this is how we want to play, you guys fit into it. They looked and said, well, this is our team, so this is how we have to play. And they've got Miller on one edge and they've got Wells on the other, and they get to shape so easy. Like that try, I think it was Foley's second try when it was the, it's the vintage Tars shape of this year. It's, I think they do a dummy suck and a block, so they switch one bloke under Bernard, or was it, it was... Bernard to KB, KB or KB to Bernard, yeah. but they just get to the width so easily. And then it was that was, that was what allowed Falau to step on the inside of Squires. So that they they know how they have to play, and they actually get to their shape better than any side in Australia at the moment. All very good having a, a really mobile pack, but against someone like the Lions, particularly when it gets to the scrum, is it? Do we think that Tolalato is going to come into it because he's been phenomenal for probably two months now? Looking at the World yeah, yeah. too. Uh, yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Tolu starts, but at the same time, you, you've also got a formula that works. He's coming on at the end of the game and he's doing a really good job. And I think throughout all of this chat, it's Fitzy's done a really good, good job all year and he's played a, an excellent role on that side. So I wouldn't... Everyone's saying that you have to start Tolu and I, I part of me thinks yes, but if they roll out Fitzy, you go, there's a reason. And, and we don't get to see all the, the stuff within the team and what makes a team... You know, so such a good team, and I think Fitzy's got a lot, of, lot to do off field with that group. He's he's normally very, very safe in lineouts. I don't think the lineout issue has been the throw in. I think it's been the call in over the last couple of weeks. They've, 
there's just been not enough movement and, and you don't always want movement in your line out. You want to generally be able to just throw and jump, but I think now they're probably going to have to vary it up a bit. So I don't really care who starts at hooker. I think that you've got to also remember that what happened on the weekend was almost the, the perfect result for the Tars because Sakopi got to have a 20-minute rest yes. and came back on to hold down a scrum with seven men. I thought Alex Newsom on the side, what a weapon. Yeah, yeah, yeah they might want to re- rethink that if they've got a scrum for their season. <laughs> you put Newsom at 86 kilos or Tunkelly at 175 yeah. kilos on, I'd probably go towards Tunkelly. Yeah. But, yeah. He had the technique, Alex, but I don't know he if he was adding. He had the face. I don't know if he was actually adding. And scrummaging, is all, it's 90% facial. <laughs> yeah. I've packed in a lot of them I'll and I didn't push in any, but my face looked like it did, so. Yeah. You made That'd the call throughout the call. Rob Simmons had been one of the unheralded players within that Tars group this year. Can you just talk through like what what do you what have you made of his year and and how much impact he's added and value to that Tars side? I think Rob's playing a more physical game than he's played in the past, and you don't think this at the time because when he's been at the Reds for probably ten years, you want to you know once a Red die a Red, all that sort of stuff. But a change is good for anyone, and he probably didn't realise that until he came down and. You walk into a new environment and you actually realise, well, there's 25 blokes that I don't know here or I've only really met a couple of times. You have to actually prove yourself to those guys again. So you get to start all over. So he just looks like he's playing, you know, like it's the first couple of years in his career. And his line-out, and there has been a, the, the line-out has been a problem the last couple of weeks. But up until at the start of the year and throughout the whole course of the season, the line-out's been very good for the Tars. And they've got to get it right at, at altitude because... You know, you, you get it wrong and you give penalties away in the wrong part of the field. Um, you get points put on you over there. And, and set pieces is a pretty important thing in any game, but especially in semi-final, especially at altitude. So they've got to get the line out right. Um, we haven't got you for very long uh, because obviously you have to go and pack. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, and that gets done for you if your business does. Yeah, yeah. Someone really comes over the night before and packs for you. Okay. So, yeah. I'm worried, yeah, you I'm worried show, you're living in a fantasy dri- land. Chauffeur driven to the airport? Huh? The chauffeur driven. No, the plane picks you up, mate. You <laughs> <laughs> realise you're not in the wall of these anymore, Stephen. Well, at least you haven't got pneumonia yeah. like last time you went away. That's true. Um, just quickly, why will, and I, from what you say, you clearly think that the, the TARS can and, and, and will get it done. Why will, they, why will they win on Saturday night? Well, I'm biased because so I think sure. it will be extremely challenging for them, but um, I think they've got the mentality that they'll concede 30 points and score 40. I think they're that side that just go, well, that's okay. Like, you've done that. We can do this. So um, I think they'll learn from the last couple of games. that They don't have to be too complicated. I know they've got a they've got a shape that's a little bit complicated, so they've got to work hard to be in the right spot. But it's a pretty simple theory. Like, they don't even always need to run over the top of people to get the ball to their backs. They've just got to get quick recycle ball. So I think they'll make their tackles, which they probably, probably didn't do. And... They'll probably work more of a, a bit more on the ground. Um, they'll probably try and if, if Latu starts, and I do think he will, but I'm not certain, I think you'll get more of an on-baller, which will probably slow up their attack. Um, when you look at the sides, I just believe that the Tars just have too many points in their their superstar, their, their big three, I suppose you call them, Foley, Beal and Falao. I just think those three, Phipps, at, Phipps at altitude as well, he's probably the, the perfect halfback because he just runs all day and it doesn't fatigue him. And the backup halfback it was pretty good again, Jake Gordon. So um, it's a semi-final. The Lions, I don't think they're as good as they w- were two years ago and last year. That's, you know, like I reckon they had their, t- their championship winning year and that was last year. And I I'd, I'd think that as a squad, they're probably just not as good as they were over the last two years.
All right, Sam, travel safely. Uh, you always do, Nick. Yes, yeah. well, yeah. it's Johannesburg. You yeah. be careful. Yeah, no, okay. I will be. Yeah. I, I worry. Yeah, no, it's fine. Thank if you, you can check concern. in every couple of hours, that'd, that'd be good because, you know, I do stress <laughs> Thanks, about Dad. these things. Oh. Uh, and Clarkie's over there as well. And uh, Timmy Horan going with you. So looking forward to the call on uh, on Saturday night uh, from about 11 o'clock on Fox Sports 501. There we go. Thanks for having me, guys. Listening to the Fox Rugby Podcast. And from Stephen Hoyles, who's getting ready to hop on a plane to Johannesburg, let's go to a man who is already on the ground in South Africa and a very warm welcome once again to the Fox Rugby Podcast to, to Greg Clark. Clarky, how is how is the trip and more importantly, how are the TARS? Well, the trip was uh, fine thanks to uh, thanks to Qantas and yes, more importantly the Waratahs are in a relaxed mood and in a pretty good shape. The uh, problem players at the moment seem to be Michael Wells after that head knock last week and also Rob Simmons spoke to both of them today and they're talking up their chances. So uh, fingers crossed it's going to be a full squad that the coaches are going to get to choose from. Yeah, so Clarkie, they love their rugby in Johannesburg, as we know. Uh, not the, the biggest crowd last weekend against the Jags. I, I guess they assumed they were going to get through and, and rock up against the Tars this week. So what is the atmosphere like over there and, and what sort of media attention is this game getting? It's picking up indeed, no doubt about that. It is semi-final time and semi-final time anywhere in South Africa. The rugby season is going to be a good time. So uh, lots of uh, lots of newspaper items um, and uh, the television news service this morning had uh, stories in all of their bulletins as well. And I was talking to some of the locals and uh, they did say that some of the cheaper seats, if you like, are being sold for just 80 rand, which converts to be around about $10 Australian. So... You can see that they're doing their utmost to try and make sure there's a crowd of over 40,000 this week. And uh, they're pretty used to semi-finals in uh, Johannesburg, as you know. This will be the third one in a row. So, yeah, plenty of uh, hype, and it's only Wednesday here in uh, South Africa. Clarky, you've caught a lot of test matches over in South Africa, but I dare say not too many super rugby matches because super sport generally have the the broadcast over there throughout the regular season. So how many how many actually games have you, have you caught over there before? Uh, in fact, this will be my first uh, super rugby game in uh, in South Africa. So uh, because during the season we take their commentary, they take our commentary. And uh, in the past, uh, when an Australian team has been playing a semi-final, which is quite rare, go back to the Stormers Waratahs around about 2010 and on that particular weekend we actually had one or two games back in Australia so we took the South African call and then uh, the Bulls and the Brumbies and the Brumbies got over the Bulls back in 2013 and we had another semi-final to call in uh, Australia there on that year as well from memory so yeah this is the first for me not my first at Dallas Park it's one of the great stadiums as we all know and uh, yeah, really looking forward to it and the Waratahs don't have a great record at the Alice Park in recent times, and the Waratahs, as you know, don't have a great record in semi-finals away from Australia. So, hopefully, I might be a good luck charm. I can bring them home. Uh, exactly right. They're none from five uh, in finals matches away from Australia. So, you know that that is a bit of history. I'm not sure whether they're really thinking about that, Clarky. But uh, the thing is. I think what is on top of everyone's mind is the the trip over there, obviously, a bit of jet lag. Uh, they got there on, uh, what, Sunday night, our time. And then also 
the altitude. Now, you've spoken over the past uh, few days since you got there to a number of the players, a number of the coaches. Uh, we saw a couple of your interviews on, on Kick and Chase on, on Wednesday night. Are they talking about that like everyone else is or are they just getting on with the job? Well, they're trying to get on with the job and it's uh, people like me that uh, <laughs> keeps bringing it up, I guess, because that is the standard question line for visiting teams when they do come to uh, the high belt. Uh, you have to just have something in reserve for that last 15 or 20 minutes. But the, the Waratahs have done it before. They've uh, obviously played in, in Johannesburg and also uh, Bloemfontein over the years. A lot of the Wallabies have. And they decided that they'd, they'd sort of hit the ground running on the, on the Monday. And uh, a lot of the younger guys, if you like, the first-timers, uh, after that 15 minutes, they were gasping for breath. But then they you know, just settled into it. So they wanted to sort of get them right into that sort of altitude mindset early in the week and then hopefully ease them out of it later on. Uh, today is a is, is a rest day for the guys. They'll have a decent hit out tomorrow. They probably won't even have a captain's run at Ellis Park and that's more because of um, the fact that they're worried that there might be a few spies out there uh, filming their moves and also the, the line-out. So you might just find that the kickers might go out and have a kick around, but the captain's run will be done in privacy uh, somewhere else, so um, yeah, they're not even going to you know put, go through the paces on on Friday at the actual venue. So uh, yeah, they're, they're just hoping that um, they're going to get through, obviously, and it's, it just means that you have to start well and not chase the scoreboard and keep a little bit in reserve. We saw the Jaguar, the Haguaris last week uh, get back into the game in the second half, but they didn't have a lot left in the tank in the last fifteen or twenty, and that's when the um, the lines, like they do so often, uh, get on top of you in that last period. Definitely. Clarky, uh, speaking of all the travel factor, how, how did you pull up? Did you have any jet lag? Uh, no, I'm okay. Thankfully, I'm not playing, though. It's a fairly um, fairly easy easy trip across from uh, from Sydney. No, no problem there. And obviously, you land in uh, Johannesburg, so there's no connecting flight. So uh, straight to the hotel and um, do a little bit of work. And uh, we're, we're into it again today. But I, I have seen pretty much just about every player uh, wandering around the hotel complex today, and um, I, I'm a little bit concerned about Israel Folau's right knee. Uh, it blew up a bit of training yesterday. They're, they're not uh, terribly worried about it, but uh, he's got a little bit of a limp at the moment, so let's hope that that uh, clears up in the next day or two. But um, uh, I did speak, as I mentioned, to Michael Wells and also Rob Simmons, and they're both feeling okay getting through the concussion protocols, which are very strict nowadays. And, uh, yeah, they're all very, very relaxed. So they'll be playing a bit of golf and wandering around the, the, the town today. And then it's um, full on from uh, from Thursday. Uh, the game faces will be on. And uh, there's, a, there's a genuine excitement because I think most people are writing them off because not too many teams can come to uh, Johannesburg and win games like this. Um, well, no Australian team has uh, done it uh, at all. So, um, yeah, it's going to be uh, an interesting couple of days in, the, in that final build-up. But I think they're going to go relaxed rather than uh, full-on in the preparation. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that, Clarkie, just that mindset. It was a remarkable game against the Highlanders, wasn't it? One of the biggest comebacks in, in finals history. So is the, the pressure completely off? Do they feel like they're sort of um, in bonus territory playing playing with house money and all the pressure will be on, on the lines here? They can just go and express themselves? Yeah, I, indeed. I think that... Um, uh, First of all, they're not kidding themselves. They know that it wasn't uh, a great performance last week. It was only that second half uh, escape that they're really happy about. You cannot be chasing the scoreboard 
at um, Johannesburg and they were chasing the scoreboard against the Highlanders and also against the, the Brumbies. Something has to give there. They know that they just have to uh, back each other in that opening 20 or 30 minutes and, and be right in the game because there's no doubt about it, this back line for the Waratahs can finish and will finish. And if you had a Beal and a, and a Falau in, in the Haguari's back line last week, it might have been a different story, but they just didn't have anyone in the midfield to be able to sort of penetrate in that last 15 or 20 minutes. So they are the underdogs and they're, they're lapping that up. You're not going to get them talking uh, about, um, you know, knocking over, knocking over the lines and spoiling the party. They're just going to go in there under the radar and uh, give it their best shot. And, you know, there's still a chance to play a final in, in Sydney if the Hurricanes can knock over the Crusaders and if the Waratahs can knock over the Lions. Well, the, the final will be back at Allianz Stadium. So there's still a heck of a lot to, uh, to play for. And I just like the mood in the camp at the moment. It's uh, you know steady as she goes, and and everyone is uh, trying desperately to be the underdogs, and, uh, and they are the underdogs. So let's not get carried away uh, when you look at the effort of the the Lions in recent years. And of course, the Lions won 29 nil in Sydney in the regular season, and the Waratahs are not even considering that. In that game, they made 28 handling errors, the most they've made in a game this year, and we all know it just didn't go to plan, so why why uh, you know, ponder that result? You want to get that out of the memory bank as soon as possible and just uh, highlight some of the, the great stuff that they've done throughout the year, uh, and that they're still to do it for 80 minutes in a game, and uh, hopefully that'll be this weekend and the following weekend. Exactly right, Clark, and you think back to that uh, 29-0 loss, and it was um, a lot of it had to do with the fact that they used Tunkeli Nairavoro in a completely different way that night. It backfired on them, and I don't think they'll make that same mistake again. Uh, two members of your commentary team very keen to get over on the ground with you, Tim Horan. He's, uh, he's very happy. Uh, he's flying business classes. The junior member of the commentary team, uh, Stephen Hoyle's not so impressed. Uh, he will be in economy, but uh, Tim has <laughs> promised to, to send him back a half-full uh, can of Yenda. So um, there's no doubt that uh, they will be there and, and raring to go uh, on Saturday. We're looking forward to your call and their call uh, tonight on... Uh, on uh, rather, Saturday night, rather, on Fox Sports. But uh, thanks for joining us on the Fox Rugby Podcast. Go well, Clarky. Yeah, thanks very much. And just in, in conclusion, uh, I didn't know that about Stephen. If I had known that, I would have given him my seat. Yes, <laughs> yes, I'm sure you would have. <laughs> That's the thought that counts. <laughs> See you, Clarkie. Thank you. Cheers. You're listening to the Fox Rugby Podcast. Yes, Greg Clark in South Africa, and uh, he will thoroughly enjoy his first call. Remarkable after so many years in the commentary booth, uh, his first call of a Super Rugby game in South Africa. So, well, that's what he thinks, and we've heard what Stephen Hoyles thinks. What about you two? How's it going to roll out? The Tars and the Lions, were they? There's going to be a lot of points in it, no doubt about that. Uh, Both teams are going to just try and outscore each other, as Hoyles alluded to. Earlier, um, so yeah, I mean, we could be looking at a cricket school, a forty to thirty-nine type uh, cliffhanger, I reckon. Um, and and the Tars have got enough firepower to beat any team in, in the comp. Um, basically, we saw them um, all but beat the Crusaders in, in Christchurch. So if they get their game plan right, uh, they are well and truly capable. The Lions are favourites for a reason. All, all the stats do do count for something. But um, yeah, certainly they. Um, they, they are a puncher's chance with all that firepower. So I'm, I'm sitting on the fence, but I'd have to say 
the Lions uh, as the smart pick, but um, if, if a couple of things go their way, a card or, or whatever, then they're, they're capable. Yeah, I, I, I remember sitting here last week, uh, Nicholas, and I think I said that the, the Highlanders would win. I'm a little bit more optimistic about the, the Tarzers' chances against the Lions, yes. Is that because you've just had an Asahi you, you've smashed over there on the on the podcast table? Uh, could be. Could have dashed courage. Um, no, no, I just think that uh, you look at some of the key playmakers and you look at Foley, you look at Beal, they are genuine match winners. They've stood up in big moments. They've played World Cup like they've played a World Cup final, they've already won a Super Rugby title. You look at someone like Elton Yantes, and he's what played in two finals, struggled in both those games. Uh, you look at him... In a, Hasn't always been at his best in uh, the Springbok jersey. No, no and, and even in the, the recent series against England, he came in for the third test after they'd already wrapped up the series for, for Andre Pollard, and South Africa struggled. It was the only test that they lost, and Yantes, will he play another test match in a number 10 jersey for the spring boxes has been a running debate over the last couple of months now. Mm. Um, so I just think that the, the, the big match players are in that task side that they can they can get the job done. I, I just think that the attack and clean out is the biggest thing for the, the Waratahs. If they don't get that right, yep. they'll have no chance. Yeah, Malcolm Marks will absolutely de- destroy them. There's no doubt about that if they can't yep. get the breakdown right. Um, it was interesting on, on kick and chase, um, Rod Kayford, kind of breaking down the lines and showing us where they were vulnerable. And they are vulnerable, the outside channels. Um, a lot of uh, tries against them come. In, in those, that five-metre line. That's yeah, right. that, that was and, incredible. And so, so their, their wingers, uh, their, their tackle effectiveness, not so great. Uh, the fullback tackle effectiveness, not so great. In fact, I think the worst in Super Rugby, according to Kayford, at around 47%. So there are opportunities there. Um, just got to get the ball there and, and get it there quickly. The final point I want to make, the, the scrum. It's the, the, the Lions have won the second most penalties off scrums. The Waratahs, I think with about 45, the Waratahs have only won 13 penalties off their own scrum. So clearly the Lions at Ellis Park are going to lift. They've been dominant the last two weeks, winning six penalties against the Bulls and against the Huguaras. So that's huge. And, and whilst we're on the subject, a shout-out, I think Tom Robinson's been... For me, my standout, most improved player in Australian rugby this year, I think he's been brilliant. Fair enough. Um, and just before we move on to the other game, uh, just in terms of referees, so Glenn Jackson will be refereeing the game in Johannesburg. The game in Christchurch will be Yako Piper. Um, for me, and I know that, uh, and I've, I've had a bit of feedback, some good, not, some <laughs> not so good, about being a little outspoken about um, referees this year and, and the TMO, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I find it refreshing that uh, there are neutral referees. Um, so I don't know whether that's Sands are kind of, you know, listening to the public outcry and, and, and listening to the concern about the optics over having a local referee. It certainly wasn't necessarily mm. the case last week, but this week it is. And, um, yeah, I just think it's a, it's a good look for the game. Yeah, absolutely. It just takes any um, potential drama out of out of the equation, doesn't it? Um, and yeah, you know, I'm sure Sanzar probably would would just would deny that and just say it's the best man for the well, job, exa- probably. But that's but, right. But uh, behind the scenes, yeah, that yep. probably is a factor. And uh, yeah, you have to think that perhaps it's a signal that Angus Gardner will get the the final as well. That seems to be a suggestion. In, in previous years, the guys that have done the semis haven't done the mm. final, which I f- I find strange. I think if you've got your best ref, let him let him do a semi as well. But it might not have been the cat. Oh, sorry, I'm jumping in. Yeah. I, 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 it, well, there was a, blo- there was a bloke case. that was jumped out in, in Twitter actually and said 
that Jaco Piper refereed the semi in the final last year, but yeah, over, over the last five over, years, historically, it's generally it hasn't yeah, happened, yeah, so yeah. I think we might see Gus doing the final, yeah, mm. yeah, and and the assistant referees uh, are local referees too, so Gus isn't yeah. even in the assistant one or two. So here's one for you: uh, if the Tars were to make the final, would you still be comfortable with Angus Gardner refereeing the final, or? Do we need consistency in our argument that they need to be neutral referees? Yeah, well, given that they don't have a policy for neutral referees, I guess they're well within their rights to say, well, Gus is the best man for the job. And, and to be honest, like it's, I think, Christy, you, you raised this point last week, often there, there is a perception that maybe Gus is even harder on the Aussie teams. It's, it's, mm. a, it's a thing in the back of the mind as well that you don't want to be perceived as, as having any bias. So... Uh, yeah, personally, I'd be. I think Gus is doing a great job at the moment. As are uh, you know, Yako and Glenn Jackson will do a perfectly good job as well. But um, yeah, I, I wouldn't. Have... <laughs> See what you've done though. You've come back around yeah. to Sansa's best man for the job argument. I, I I'm go... playing devil's advocate here. Yeah. You know I am. I but but it, it's a difficult thing. Yeah. I, I, I go back to as you, and Sam. You're right. I've said this a few times. But Angus Gardner, a couple of years ago, quarter final might have been 2016 when when Angus said to Stephen Moore who's already played 100 tests by this stage. Stephen, you've got to show more leadership at the moment. And, and that was after Stephen Moore had been questioning a lot of the decisions and, and Gus was pretty stern on saying those sorts of words, a young referee at that time, to one of the most experienced men in the game. So, um, And you look at the breakdown, and, and even on the weekend, there were a few early on in that first 34, 40 minutes, there was a, there was a couple there that were 50-50 that I thought the, the Highlanders certainly got... It was refreshing. So we got through that weekend without any major dramas for once. So didn't we? I thought the refereeing was actually a very high standard. Mm, so definitely. And I think long, there was a, continue. I think there was a, a very notable absence of TMOs yeah. hopping in. Ah, so wasn't I, there? I think that that uh, that issue had resonated and yep. and had been uh, action taken. The wheels turned slowly, but we are mm. starting to see some outcomes now by the looks of things. And Angus got it spot on actually with Kurtley Buell last week when he ran up out of the defensive line and his line was checked. It wasn't a tackle or anything. Curtly just basically running into the, the Liam opponent. Squires, it was Liam Squire. Flying yeah. backwards. And, and Angus handled that really well. And I thought it was actually good management from Bernard Foley who once, unfortunately, when Michael Wells went down injured, Bernard went up there and asked about it politely and, and he explained it and he said, yeah, no dramas. But then he also planted a seed in his mind about another couple of things and, and Angus was receptive and said, all right, cheers, thanks, I'll, I'll look out for that. And that was a, a thing that Richie McCaw and those sorts of masters have done so well over the years. And I think that there's been a lot of chat this week about the need to do that maybe with Glenn Jackson on Saturday night. Just establish early that, you know, sir, keep an eye on Malcolm Marks, because I think Malcolm Marks got a f- away with a few things the other night and maybe not necessarily supporting his own body weight at the breakdown and, and didn't get pinged for it. Maybe just planting the seed yeah. and, and just saying, you know, this is an area to look at. And, you know, Jacko's been around the block, so he probably doesn't have to uh, be told, but there's no, no uh, harm in reinforcing. So, uh, so that's the referees, that's the Lions and the Tars. So the missing piece of the puzzle is what's going to go down in, uh, in Christchurch on Saturday. So that's 5 o'clock, all the build-up from 5 o'clock uh, our time on, on Fox Sports, 5 o'clock Eastern in Australia. The Crusaders and the Hurricanes. And, uh, Sammy, I'll go to you first. You wear your, uh, your Canes uh, love on your sleeve. How are you going to go? Yeah, I mean, the Crusaders are... 
deserved favourites. I think they're about a dollar fifty to win the whole thing. Their, their team's just ridiculous, and they they just seem so hungry, even even though they've they've already gone there and won it. They don't have anything else to prove, but they still seem just so hungry for for more and more success. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to take something, you know, the Canes to cl- play close to their perfect game. I think for for Barrett's tricks to all come come off if they're going to have a chance. But it's it's similar to the Waratahs. There's enough firepower there if if they're uh, slightly unheralded pack can aim up, then then they've got the firepower to have a puncher's chance at least, but it's same as the Tars, everything's going to have to go their way in one, one or two calls from the ref. Well, they're, they're, well. they're one each yeah. in 2018, so the the Canes beat the Crusaders yeah. and Dan- in Wellington, and then uh, the Crusaders got it done in the, the return bout. Yeah, and they got a bit embarrassed down in Christchurch, it was a miserable night, and uh, they, they tried to play far too much rugby, and, and Barrett was well and truly out, outpointed by Richie Moanga, and there's a lot of actual criticism in New Zealand at the moment, a lot of drums beating, saying Moanga, you know, in a big game, if the conditions aren't great, he's a much better option than, than Barrett, who hasn't had his best season, It's and it's crazy that you'd be thinking about uh, dumping a guy like that, and, and I personally wouldn't, but he, he does have a bit of uh, heat on him at the moment, Bowden Barrett. Yeah, I don't, know, I don't know if you'd be dumping him, but maybe whether or not 10's actually his best position. There's been a lot of people, outspoken people, saying that maybe his best position's at, at 15. Um, but, but clearly uh, the, the Crusaders are favourites for this. I think it's important to point out, I know that we've all, and we highlighted, you highlighted this in Kick and Chase as well, that it is one all for the throughout the regular season with the Canes and the Crusaders. But on, on that match in the first one in, in Wellington, an afternoon game, the, the, the Crusaders lost Ryan Crotty and Sam Whitelock within the first 10 minutes to, to head knocks. And uh, so when you lose your two key men, your key forward and your key back, uh, you, you, good luck coming back from that. But I think the Crusaders, they've just been unstoppable really for, for the majority of the year. And good luck to the, the Hurricanes. They certainly have the X-Factors players to, to be able to, to win it. But... Uh, I think the Crusaders will, will get the job done. All right. Uh, hell of a lot to look forward to on, on the weekend. And, uh, you know, it's nice to be able to say that it's all here on Fox Sports. One more. Can I, well, I just want to ask the question. It's, it's a niggly little gap in between games, isn't it, with the Canes Crusaders and, uh, and, and the Lions Waratahs. What are your tactics going to be? We're, we're thinking about going out for a nice meal, maybe a, a beer in between, aren't we, Christy? Oh, I don't know about the beer, but we'll certainly be having some. having a beer now, so come on. <laughs> what, uh, what's, what's your game uh, plan? No, no, I'll, I'll be sitting at home... And watching the New Zealand game, yeah, uh, and then coming really, fresh. Hadn't really I thought about. It. I might, I might even grab an hour or two's kip. Wow! Because you know you want to be at your best, veteran player. Yeah. yeah, and disciplined, and uh, lob in here, do a bit of preparation, and uh, and. Get on air and away we go. Ten thirty on air, eleven oh five kickoff. I'm glad they've come to their senses with these afternoon kickoffs as well. We have had a lot of games in the past with two, three a.m. even even in finals, um, crazy hours. So thankfully mm. they've come to their senses. It's great. Yeah, no, it's good. I'll tell you what. If Sean Maloney was here, uh, he'd be having a kebab, wouldn't he? Be coming in hot. If he he'd be coming in hot. <laughs> where, where is he? What part of the world is he? Hard to say. To use one of hard, his phrases. Hard to say. <laughs> hard, hard to say. say. Hey guys, thanks very much uh, for your company and uh, and. Thank Thanks for listening once again to the Fox Rugby Podcast.